Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I hope you are having a great day. Here we are right in the middle of Lent. If you haven't heard the episode with the girls from She Reads Truth, I would totally recommend backing up and listening to that after you're done with this one as well, just because that's the season that we're in in the church calendar. And today's episode is really important and beautiful, and I think you're really going to like it. My friend and one of my favorite pastors from Embrace Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, is Adam Weber. I have been out to Sioux Falls a couple of times getting to speak on Sunday mornings at Embrace, and I've always enjoyed it because Adam is just like a genuine, kind friend. He's just like He's just one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. And Adam has a new book out. It actually came out this week on March 21st, so on Tuesday. And it's called Talking with God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. I have read this book. I got to endorse the book. And it is really, really good. It is just about how do you pray and, and what does it look like to pray and to dig into that and to grow and cultivate a prayer life. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, especially in this particular season. So whatever you are going through and whatever your prayer life looks like, I really hope and I, I do pray that today you will feel encouraged and like this is a good fit for what you're going through and that you will be challenged and um, understood a little bit today as we talk about prayer. So here is my conversation with Adam Weber. All right. Well, Adam, welcome to the That Sounds Fun podcast. We're glad to have you. It is awesome to be on the Sounds Fun podcast. Well, listen, if there's anything that's fun, it's my friends and Sodak, as we say. (laughs) South Dakota. Listen, I had never even, I mean, I'd heard of it clearly. I never dreamed of visiting there until I came to your church. And when was the first time? 2015, I think. Yeah, 2015. And I don't think most people dream of, of coming to South Dakota. So you're not alone in, in that not dreaming thing. <laughs> <laughs> How did you end up in South Dakota? Because you're not I, from there, right? I actually am. Born and raised. Oh, I, I, didn't I, I think that. If, if you end up in South Dakota and you're not born and raised, I honestly, I, I'm sad for you as a person, like, because it's like, how did you possibly end up no here? No way, it's great. But I've often wondered, I'm like, what were my, my ancestors, like my great grandparents thinking of stopping yeah. here and not going all the way to California? That is amazing. So where did they come from that they ended up stopping in South Dakota? <laughs> they would have been coming from Germany and also Norway and both both sides of my family um, got land really in kind of when it initially was being given out. And so it's pretty crazy. We were able to know uh, where the exact land is that they originally homesteaded in. Oh my gosh, you're like so a part of westward expansion. It's it's crazy. I just can't imagine. I've thought about this countless times. Actually stopping here and going through the first winter, I'm like, they had to be questioning God at some point during that winter. <laughs> you know, like, oh, what are gosh. we doing? So. Yeah, because I mean, how? Who? Because I guess you don't even know what time of year they got there. No. If you get there in like October, you do not have time to build a house <laughs> before Sodak gets you. Oh, with their winter and and the summers here are gorgeous. So right. it, w- it would be the worst thing ever to start building your house and you're all like excited and feeling good about things, and then winter comes. It would be a, a terrible reality to face. Yeah, man, that's amazing. That that's kind of your heritage. I mean, I really think. I have a lot of thoughts about that because I think where you come from really matters. But it kind of is interesting that like you have always been a people that are pioneers. 
it, it's crazy to think about in so many different ways. Of I th- and I honestly think that one of the things that I love about South Dakotans and North Dakotans in this, this area is it's, it's hardy people who yeah. um, just kind of put their head down and work hard. I mean, that would be the kind of the one bragging right that I would say of this area. And that's definitely something that is passed on like from gen- generations to generations. Yeah, that people just know that you work hard because you have to. You right have to. to do. Yep, yeah. you have to. Yep. Man, that is so cool. I like am a big fan of westward expansion stories. Like I really love the Oregon Trail. I really love that show Hell on Wheels. Did you watch it? I never have seen that, but I'm a huge <gasps> fan of expansion as well. And just even the Oregon Trail st- stories and looking at that and Lewis and Clark fascinates me. Okay. Do you know that this spring I got to go to Lewiston, Idaho, that is across from Clarkston, Washington, where they ended up? Crazy. Right? Only place in Idaho I've been at is Coeur d'Alene. Where's it at from Coeur d'Alene? Oh, you know, I don't know that. I took an airplane and it put me there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's up in the top part. I know that. Okay. Okay. It's up in the top part. Wonderful people. I just couldn't tell you where it is on a map exactly, except that I could see that our host did take us to a place where we could see like Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and one more state. We could see four states from where we were standing. It was pretty cool. That is cool. That's beautiful. But man, I, yeah, I'm. So you need to watch Hell on Wheels. It's a great show. It's like five seasons on Netflix, and it's during Civil War, and it's or right after the Civil War, and it's all about the um, trains about building the railroad. I I just wrote it down right now, and we'll start watching it as soon as I possibly can. You are gonna love it, and it's AMC, so it's like. PG 13. It's not what you're going to catch on like an HBO, you know, like it's going to have, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty mild comparatively, but it's also like, I wouldn't probably put like all the kids in front of it <laughs> mainly because the, the premise of the show is that a Confederate soldier, his whole family was killed by a union troop. And now his goal in life is to kill everyone who participated in killing his family. Oh my goodness. And so he, and so it starts out him trying, and I'm not ruining anything. This is the first episode, but <laughs> it starts out with him going and finding everyone, all these, he has a picture and he goes and finds all the guys from that union troop. And it ends up him getting to where they are building the railroad. Cause one of the guys is there and then Crazy. he, he stays and builds the railroad. Wow. Dude, you're going to love it. No, I mean, it's going to be will. your people. Yeah. No kidding. I will love it. I'm excited yeah. about checking it out. Yeah, there you go. I'm just here to help. But I can teach you about Lewis and Idaho. I can teach you about Hell on Wheels. Those are two things. And it's called Hell on Wheels because they would plant a shanty town, build 20 miles of railroad, and then pick up the town and move it down the railroad and put it back down. That's insane. And that's what's Hell, Hell on Wheels is their town. I had no idea that happened. Yeah. No, I knew that that had happened even across South Dakota, building the the railroad across the state. Just some of the crazy stories of why these little towns are located where they're at. Right. It's like, what in the world was going on here? Well, that's wild. See? West, as if we needed more reason to be friends, Adam. We both love <laughs> westward expansion. Exactly. I'm not even just, kidding. I, like, I'm fascinated by it. Me too. I think it was – I think of the American people – well, they ended up being American, right? But coming from other places, those people that just loaded up everything and just left everyone they knew probably again because they'd already do it, done it to come over the ocean and just went out west where they had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. 
it takes a lot of courage, I would say. No, it's, it's, it really is fascinating just to think of complete uncertainty and what's unknown and yet being willing to step into it is, is wild. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're an original South Dakotan. So what I think you might be, I'm looking through my list. I think you might be my first pastor on the podcast. No, Saul, Scott Sauls, you're my second pastor on the podcast. So what made you decide? Cause you, you were part of planting Embrace Church, correct? I was. Yep. yep. Like you can't, you, you planted it. That's your church. I did. It's crazy. I can't believe I did, but I did. Yeah. And so how <laughs> old is Embrace now? Embrace is just over 10 years. So I was okay. 24 years old when we started the church. Wow. What made you decide to go back? Because you went, you left to go to seminary and college, correct? And then came back? Yep. So I, I did college locally and like for business and marketing and then, and never thought I was going to be a pastor, uh, filled in for a pastor the summer before my senior year of college uh, and knew within the first week I was supposed to be a pastor. I mean, it was one of those, no way. Oh, it was, it was one of the clearest things in my life being a pastor, which is so crazy. Cause I always wanted to work at an ad agency. I mean, marketing and, and really strategy is kind of my passion. Um, and so I filled in though for this pastor, I was 21 years old and, um, the honor of being, being able to talk about my greatest passion in life, the Lord, on Sundays was right. incredible. But even more than that, actually, I've always been someone who doesn't like fluff conversations, but really wants to like, hey, how are you really doing? I know. And I like get to, that about and get you, to the, get to the heart. Well, that summer, there was three ladies who had terminal cancer. And um, so I would do visits with them in their home just to encourage them and pray for them and um, just to see how they're doing. And when you're, when you're dying, the fluff kind of leaves your vocabulary. And I remember just thinking, wow, like you're willing to spend some of your time with me. It was just Mm -hmm. such a huge honor. And, um, and so really within that first week or two, I knew it was what I was supposed to do, but yeah, went away to seminary and then came back uh, after seminary and started the church. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. What, what, what did you see that Sioux Falls needed that you wanted to meet that need? It's kind of uh, bizarre. It actually wasn't my idea. So going into my last year of seminary, uh, the pastor that led me to Christ and was hugely influential in my life called and said, hey, uh, we're, we're thinking Sioux Falls needs another church and we're thinking about trying to maybe start something down there through somebody. And we're wondering if you're interested. And I actually told him, I said, Oh, I'm actually not interested. We're not coming back to South Dakota. We're gonna end up on the East Coast, actually, and so <laughs> oh, we're we're not coming thanks, back. But no thanks. But he and he said what every pastor says to make a per- person feel guilty. He said, "Why don't you pray about it?" It's like, oh, oh okay, right. awesome. Thank you for that. I, I no, I'm not gonna pray about it. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I actually I never prayed about it. But uh, he found out I was coming back home to do my brother's wedding. My brother was getting married, and so I was, it was my very first uh, wedding I'd ever done. And um, he he called and said, hey, I hear you're coming back. And I was like, oh, yeah? And he's like, how about you send an email and I'll send an email. We'll see who shows up. And I thought this was the greatest way for no one to show up. Sure. <laughs> and so we did. And that night we had 32 people show up. And now I would say the total opposite about Sioux Falls needing churches. I mean, right. any city needs more 
more churches. But yeah, it's it's been so cool because uh, I, I I've always loved Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not crazy about the winter here. Well, but sure. Just the I, I think why um, why there was such a need. I think um, I think Sioux Falls was was looking for a church um, first off to reach a young younger demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, like just even age wise, being 24 at the time was kind of insane. Sure. Um, but also to to connect with people right where there are and talk with them in a way they can understand. And it's what one of the coolest things for me about living in Kentucky was realizing how how much I am born and raised South Dakotan. Oh, and sure. really, really yeah, like because yeah. Asbury people it pulls from all over the world, but you're surrounded by Kentucky people. Exactly, it's exactly, and it's so weird. You don't really realize who you are and your roots until you move away at times. Mm. And I really, I was fascinated by that. Like things that I mean, even from people saying you have an accent. It's like, no, I, actually, I don't have an accent. And they're like, no, right. you do. Like, I'm pretty sure you do. And so noticing that, but also noticing um, what the person who's outside the church, kind of their background and their story was very similar to mine and how, how I was able to connect with them is pretty amazing. So Yeah. And you do kind of have an accent, Adam. I'm sorry to tell you. Oh, it's weird. It's I know weird. it's weird. To, it's weird to hear, but you do kind of have an accent. <laughs> I like it though. I love a Sodak accent. Oh gosh, it's crazy. I think it's great. <laughs> um, okay, so when you started, like let's let's go back to when you're 26, maybe, and the church is a couple of years old, and you've got some people coming, and you've got one campus. I mean, were you like someday I'm going to write a book? No. <laughs> no. Okay, good. good. Like, uh, so it's kind of crazy. So first off with church, the first three years of the church, people don't often hear this part of our story. We didn't grow. So we were a hundred people in worship and I, For I was, three years. I, yeah. And I was being told if we, if you don't grow, the church will either be closed or you're going to have to find a different place. And so, but, but on year three, we moved to Sunday mornings and in, in three Where hours. Were, what, when were y'all meeting before that, Adam? We were meeting at another church in town on Sunday evenings. Ah, okay. And so we, that, I just kept feeling in my gut. I was like, gosh, I think if we can get to Sunday mornings, we'll grow. Um, but so we did. And, and so in three hours on a Sunday morning, we doubled in size. <gasps> no. That's, oh, it's crazy. That's and unbelievable. It really is. I mean, and from that moment on, I was like, okay. This is what we're going to be size-wise. Like if you would have said, what's your wild dream for Embrace? I would be, hey, if we could have 200 people show up and pay a light bill and maybe right. see a life change, <laughs> it's total success right. in my eyes. So with the church stuff and especially with book stuff, I never, ever would have thought I would have ever written a book and anyone would want to read it. Right. That is crazy. Y'all doubled in one Sunday. Adam, that's, un- that's unheard of. Oh, it was, it was crazy. It was, a, it, I, I learned a ton as a person and as a leader through all of it. Cause, um, d- then, um, uh, you just keep thinking the growth is going to shut off. Yeah. And after, especially trying three years, trying so hard to get it off the ground, once it starts working, I'm putting that in quotes, once it starts working, <laughs> whatever working needs, whatever it starts working, like, you're like, I got to keep going as fast as I can because who knows when it's going to shut off. And yeah. so uh, something I, I sh- I'm pretty open about on year like five or six went through a pretty significant season of burnout. And 
and honestly just kind of depression like through it and just kind of after six years it kind of took its toll on me and so yeah. um but yeah throughout the whole process if you would have said uh you're gonna write a book someday i would say uh, and maybe my mom will read that book. So, right, right, like, right. And I can tell you exactly who wants that book. Yeah, I might have to even encourage my mom. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So. so tell me, so now y'all have how many campuses? So we have six campuses, including our online. So five physical campuses. Four of them are kind of in the immediate Sioux Falls area. And then we have um, one out of state on the east, far east side of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Okay. Yep, and so uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're we're praying about just like what two to four more in the mm-hmm. next year and a half, two years might look like. That's amazing. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So tell me, I, I mean, I have some people listening that are pastors because some of my pastor pals listen to this, but the majority of us are staff, uh, church staff or lay people that attend church or people who yeah. don't attend church, right? And something I've been wrestling with, you know, kind of our story in Nashville and what you see across the nation with pastors of multi-campus churches is how it can get really hard Yeah, for y'all as the pastor. What can lay people, what can a, a normal attender on a Sunday morning do to help his or her pastor finish the race? Wow. Oh, great question. Um uh, a couple of things and, and run this, take it all with a grain of salt, obviously. But I think the, I think the biggest thing is just to, to realize that they're a human being. Yeah. And just like in, in your soul to know that, like, I think it's one thing to like, oh yeah, but I still like, they're amazing though. No, actually they're probably not. Yeah. I, you know, like, you know, like they're, they're broken and they're imperfect. And, um, I think just even a heart level to know that. Just expectations that you have subtly of them, like mm-hmm. really try to like root out. Because yeah. even for me, I do the same thing with pastors I respect and pastors I look up to. And so then when you meet them, you kind of like, oh, I bet they're going to be this. And it's like, no, actually they're not. So I, I think that one, that's one like really simple thing is yeah. just to really expect nothing from them that you wouldn't expect from any other follower of Jesus. Right. Like, you know, like, right. and, and obviously there's a different bar there for any of us, whatever area of leadership we're in or wherever we're at, like job wise, as followers of Christ, there is a higher bar, bar for us. So I think to acknowledge that, but, um, when we look to our pastors or even people we just really respect, I mean, even your, even yourself, Annie, like, and, and people look up to you, um, and, and how we do that with anybody in our life to realize like they're actually just a human being. I think that's one thing. The second thing, it sounds lame and cheesy, but just to pray for them, um, pray for their, their walk with Christ, pray for their personal relationships, their marriage, family. Um, I'm at embrace. I'm spoiled rotten, to be honest with you. Like there are definitely, uh, there's, it's not a perfect church far from it, but I really feel like I'm not put on a pedestal and I love that. I yeah. mean, I'm pretty quick to like for people to hear like I have nothing figured out or together, and so I f- I feel I, I, that's probably helped it like just being raw and real on Sundays and being able to share that. But I'm so grateful for the church that I am. I mean, because there's not this uh, people clearly know I don't walk on water, you know. Right. But I think those are the, would be two things. Um, yeah, I'll tell you one of the thing I I say to people a lot is. Um, I never forget that I'm a screw up because I have perfect attendance to every one of my sins. 
Like, I have yet to miss one. Yeah. Right? And so I know exactly who I am. So when (laughs) when people start to think too highly, I like to remind them that I have yet to miss a single sin that I've ever committed. (laughs) Since I've been in attendance, I know exactly what I'm capable of. Isn't that true? I think just to see that. And also, like, uh, maybe to someone who's listening, whose pastor has went through a hard season or made a stupid mistake or... Um, whatever. I, I was actually just telling this to a guy on the parking lot on Sunday. I don't even know how it came up, but I said, oftentimes you'll hear people kind of walk away from God after their pastor has had an affair, blah, blah, blah. And I said, honestly, and I used to feel that way, but actually now it strengthens my relationship with the Lord because, because subtly we'll put people on pedestals and they fall. And it, like f- before it was like, gosh, Jesus, are you real? Like, is this, even he's fallen where now it's the opposite. Now it's like, wow, Lord, I put that person on a pedestal and even they need you. Yeah. So, yeah. so if I look to them, I, I, it's awesome that I gain wisdom and insight and am encouraged in my walk with the Lord by certain people. But anytime I even for a second put them in front of you, whoa, it's a setup for failure. And so that's something that's been really, really cool. A person that I looked up to in my own life is my dad. I mean, I, I seriously, he is my Billy Graham, you know? Like, I'm, I just have so much respect for him. So much. And, but my dad is, isn't perfect even. Right. I, I haven't seen his imperfections yet, like I, but I know they are there. You like, know? I, mean, I like, know they're there. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Dad, I know you are not a saint. Like, you, you know, you're close to it. But even him, though, like, it, will, it would be, it, yeah, like he's like, no, even my dad needs the Lord. And so I can, I can look to him as a model, especially as a, a guy to a guy. I can look to him as a model, my mom to a model, as a, as a model. But anytime we replace those people with with uh, replace Jesus uh, with those people, it's not a good thing. So Yeah, that's right. Whenever we have a go, I mean, the reason Jesus came was so we wouldn't have to have a go between between us and God. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exa- and so whenever so we decide, I think my pastor knows how to connect to God for me yeah. versus teaching me how to do it for myself. I think that is so dangerous when we put, when we say, I mean, it's one thing to honor people, right? And you and I, I think we've even talked about this before. We recognize that people that God calls to teach, whether that's a small group of 12 people or a campus, a church with six campuses, anyone who's called to teach is held to a different standard. Absolutely. I mean, that's what the Bible says. You know, like if you're leading, if you're doing three-year-old Sunday school or mega churching or anything in between, and you're leading people, you're called to a different standard, but that doesn't mean that you are the go-between for someone in their faith. Absolutely. It just means you're sweeping off the road so they can walk down it. So true. So true. That's so good for that's so good for us to look at our pastors with. But as pastors, leaders, followers of Jesus, again, whether we're leading a mega church uh, or a Sunday school class, wow. I mean, that should put in a healthy sense some fear like in our in our lives oh. of like wow, okay, I'm saying this and I'm doing this and God, you're using me in this area. I need to check mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. Um, Cause I think I it's, better know what I'm saying from stage is true. 
Yes. <laughs> because I do not want to be the reason someone, or in a book or in, in any way, I don't want to be the reason someone goes, okay, I'm going to listen to that, even though that's not what the Bible says, and shape my life after that. Ooh. Exactly. So that's true. Scary. Okay, so the second thing you said we should do for our pastors is pray for them, which, Adam, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think you're the expert. I mean, your book, Talking With God, What to Say When You Don't Know How to Pray. That's such a good subtitle. You nailed that. That is killer. Okay, so what made you write a book on prayer? Is it because you're great at it? I want that no, to be what's no, no, even you saying expert, I'm like waiting for the lightning to hit me right now. <laughs> the, I can't send lightning from Nashville to Sioux Falls. Yeah, exactly. Kind of and it, it's like blue sky, so I don't think it's going to lightning. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's not know. coming. You're good. But uh, it, it really kind of came. So I had two different ideas. So a, a close friend of mine is who actually got me the ability to even consider writing a book and whatever. And um, so he said, have you thought about a couple ideas? And my, my one idea that has gotten nixed by everybody I've ever mentioned it to was going to be a leadership book. It was going to be called The Clueless Leader. So uh -huh. like basically like leadership things that I've learned. I was 24, started the church, blah, blah, blah. Everybody hates that. So that book's never going to happen. But the, the other thing that's been prayer is just been essential to who I am as a person. I kept my very first night at youth group. And as a junior in high school, I went to youth group solely because cute girls invited me to go to youth group with them. But that night, the youth pastor began to talk about prayer. And um, and he, he that, that I'll never forget it. That night he said, there's different ways to pray. Sometimes you have to sing to God because what's, so, what's inside of you is so wonderful and so great that you can't just speak it, you have to sing it. And, and sometimes you need to be on your knees when you're talking to God because you've made a mistake or you're broken or... You're, you're asking him a, a request, uh, uh, you know, and so you're on your knees. And other times we can talk with God just like we do with a friend. And um, uh, that blew me away. I mean, I never had, I've grown up in the church my entire life and I never hear, heard prayer described like that. For me, prayer, yeah. for me, prayer growing up was just kind of words you recite and you're not really sure why you are, but you do. And so early on, prayer was put within me. And um, even this friend actually called it out. He said, actually, I was going to mention prayer to you because uh, when you write me notes, like thank you notes, often you'll write a short prayer in it. Um, and he's like, even what you post online and stuff is often short little prayers. Lord, would you help me to love others today? Like, Lord, would you be my, like, so I, he's just like, that's just really who you are. And the topic of prayer, last, last thing, and then I'll stop rambling. No, no, no. This is, I want you to teach me oh, all the things, no, so keep no. going. No, for prayer, like, the thing that still gets to me, like, I get, I honestly get choked up thinking about it, is that we can talk with God wherever and whoever we are. That's amazing. It's like, when I'm broken, I can call out, and like, as I'm, like, in bed at night or I'm walking at night, Lord, I'm broken, would you put me back together? Or, Lord, I'm restless. I'm just restless. I, I, being just candid, I struggle with, I'm antsy, and I'm kind of always thinking about the next thing. Lord, I'm restless. Would you be my peace tonight? And so I think about that. That's one, like, so I'll be, I often go on walks at night. Most nights I go on a walk, and I'll end up, I'll just end up praying as I'm walking. But my very next thought is, I can't imagine feeling broken and restless or feeling like I'm failing as a, a person as a boyfriend, husband, as a girl, you know, like I, as a parent, I can't imagine going through and not knowing that I can talk with him. 
Right. And so really I don't know like how people do it. Uh, and so really those two things were like my hope with the book. It's like if one person can have can find the words to pray, it would be complete success for me. And because as a pastor, one of the top questions I hear, and especially now people knowing that a book's coming out, just just last week actually, there's a business owner that's probably my 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 parents' age, and he actually he texted me. His very first thing he said is, "I have no clue how to pray, and I cannot wait to to learn how." And oh, so wow. that that's really where it, where it flows. The, that's the why behind it for me. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, like. Here's something that I'm kind of thinking through and wrestling with is I, I can sit down and pray about myself pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking. No one in this conversation. <laughs> I don't mind talking to God about me, but really like, I, I, you know, Beth Moore just recently did a thing that you and I discussed the lit conference for women in their twenties and thirties that want to, um, use their voice on behalf of the Lord. And she talked about how she has like a notebook where she writes down everything. Like she prays for her family and for her friends and for the world. Like every day she has like a, almost a calendar of what she prays for. Do you do anything like that? Or is yours more organic feeling than that? Or are you real disciplined or what's your like prayer life look like? Oh, I think it's constantly a work in progress. First off, that's the thing. Okay, I would that say. makes me feel better because I've been doing oh, this Jesus thing for literally thirty years, and I yeah. still can't get my mind around how to pray well. Yeah, for other that, people on oh, a regular basis. It's 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 so huge just to hear we're all a work in progress because this is kind of the, the interesting thing about prayer, especially people who have been following Jesus for some time, is we feel ashamed that our prayer life isn't where it should be, and so what do we do? We actually do it less because we're ashamed, you know, Right. where I, 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 the thing I can't get over is often. So I'm, I'm 34 years old. Uh, often I will call my parents and they'll put me on speakerphone so, so the other person can hear. And at never in my entire life have they ever said, Adam, we wish you'd call more. And we're, we're upset with you that you don't call. And we just you know, do you not care about us? Like we, I've never heard that. Instead, even if it's a three minute call, again, I'm on speakerphone with my parents. They're like, we are so glad that you called. And it's just so good to hear about your day. And we, we pray for you often. We're, we're just so overjoyed that you call. And oftentimes my mom will text me after it and say, it was the highlight of our day that you called. It's like, if we started having that perspective on God, that would change things. Like, he he's just so excited and he just delights in us speaking with him and talking with him. But as far as like practical things, so actually, I got the most, uh, it's kind of a, what I'm doing currently right now and I'm almost through all the pages, but I got a sweet, uh, I think you're friends with Mike Foster as well. He sent oh, me this beautiful. Yes, I love Mike Foster. He sent me this beautiful uh, like just journal and, and I've done this at different points in my life. It helps discipline me, especially when I'm so scatterbrained, but I just write in, uh, each day I write in just simple prayers for people because I, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge that I had a few years back was when I told someone that I was going to pray for them, I actually wanted to do so. Right. Cause I, I think we say that because it's awkward. Someone tells us, um, their sister has breast cancer or they're trying to get a job interview 
or whatever. And it's kind of right. an awkward. And you're like, we'll totally pray for you. Yeah. You don't know what else to say to him. So it's like that. And I'm like, no. And so a few years back, I honestly, and you just got to kind of feel it out. I'll either pray for the person right then and there. Like, Hey, would you mind if I prayed for you right now? Or just kind of making a commitment to myself when I walk away from the person to pray for them. Or even before I post, like um, before I post on Facebook and I say, praying for you and your family, I've challenged myself. I will never write that if I haven't prayed before pushing. Oh, send. smart. Because so otherwise you write it won't it happen. For, you say it or you pray it before you write it. I do. I do. Because I'm like, no, I want my words to mean something. But um, for me, it's been simple things like, like that. Even uh, another thing, uh, just... So doing that kind of thing or writing it down, like you were just speaking of, which has been so cool for me to come back and visit and just look through what I've prayed for others and for myself. It's like, whoa, no way. Um, but another, another simple thing my wife does. Um, so one of her friends was battling cancer. And so she set a reminder on her phone every day at 2 p.m. to get a reminder to pray for Shannon. And so it was just this simple, subtle thing to consistently pray for other people. And it doesn't have to be anything long even. Like, God, just praying for Shannon today and that you would just continue to heal her body and that she would just have a sense of peace and that she would just thoroughly enjoy the, the day. Um, yeah. Something so I, I'm simple. I'm a big, a big believer in, um, in setting alarms on your phone to pray for things or pray for people. Because when it goes off, you can't pretend like it didn't go off. And God doesn't need us to do, like you said, a 30-minute anything. It's just a matter of connecting with the Lord on behalf of someone that matters to us. Yes. So talk to me about the difference. This is something that I think that I have dealt with before and deal with sometimes is when we pray, it is not like, or is it like making a bank deposit with God where we're going to get it? Or is there a certain amount of prayers that are going to tip the scale for what we want? Because we know what we pray changes his mind. Yeah. But we also can't pray because we're trying to tip a scale. Exactly. I'm asking you all the easy questions today. No, You're no, welcome. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would just say, like, no, it's it's not about a bank account and storing things up. Um, all throughout the Psalms, it just talks about God hearing our voice. He He, he, he hears our cry. He hears... Our request. I mean, even Jesus Himself is, is makes it asking you will receive. Like, so there is this. Um, it's just crazy that God gives ear to what we have to say. And I, 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 um, as any parent, so I'm using the parent analogy because Jesus used it, you know. But um, when there's nothing better than hearing my kids' requests, do I do I give them what they ask for? Honestly, most of the time I don't. It's like, no, you cannot have like a 15th brownie. Like that's just yeah. not like you did not need. <laughs> You were fine one through 14, <laughs> but that 15th one is the but, one but there's just I like si your family. There's simple things. And even like a, a thing I'll never forget when it comes to why is this happening. Our, 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 my oldest son, he was like six months old, got the flu. And so, I mean, just would not keep any fluids down. And I'll never forget like Becky couldn't stay in the room because she just couldn't handle it. I had him pinned to the table as they were searching for like 40 minutes to try to get a vein, an IV, an IV started. And all I remember him looking at me was like, seriously, I thought you loved me, was what I felt he was saying to me, you know? I thought you loved me. I thought, what? How is this possible? And so um, as far as like bringing our requests, like I, I think just there's something about faithfully bringing our requests to the Lord. 
and just continuing to do that. There's something good. I, I think there's something that per, per changes things. So there's that aspect of it. God, I'm going to bring my request to you and continue to bring my request to you. Um, cause I know you hear my voice and I'm just going to continue to plead, but there's also something when we do pray that changes us, God, I'm, I'm bringing this request to you. And yet, uh, in doing so, I'm trusting that you're in control. I'm trusting that you know what's best for me because I'm a kid. I don't, I don't know what's best. I don't know up from down. Right. And so like, I, I'm just going to bring this to you as an act, a daily act of trusting you. Um, that you got it figured out and you know what's best for me. And so it's only, it's a two way street of bringing our request to God, but also just an act of surrender. Like, Lord, you're in control on that. And so I'm trusting you with it. Yeah. yeah. It's hard though, Adam. It's hard. I'm a very conversational prayer. Yes. Like I find myself like talking to the Lord throughout the day about random things, probably because I like to talk a lot. I know that shocks you, but. Probably it has to do with the fact that I like to talk a lot, but I do talk to the Lord on a conversational kind of throughout the day kind of things. But then there are also times where I'm like, no, like we need to sit down and talk about this person and what they're going through or what I'm going through or, but you just want, um, you want it to be about the other thing changing and so much it's about me changing. Yeah. Right. I mean, in that kind of part of what we're supposed to be doing when we're praying. Something with prayer, one of my biggest challenges to people, myself included, is be honest. Like, uh, don't lie to God, you know? So often our prayers are, God, I'm so thankful for your peace, even though I don't have any. Oh, I'm, I'm right. so thankful for this. And um, so this is kind of a huge, it, it's, I, don't, I feel like I'm, I'm bringing a downer on, on your podcast, Annie. I'm no, so no, no, sorry. this is the true thing. This is but, what I want us to talk about. But there was a, there's something about when we really bring our request to God that it just changes things. So my, my dad's had a health issue for the last seven years. And um, I was actually reading The Circle Maker by Batterson. Oh, yeah. I and him love to, oh, that book. So stinking good. And him bringing, you know, just sharing about bringing our request to God and, and whatever else. I was up visiting my in-laws. I remember the day I prayed it because it was such a turning point for me. I was driving and crying. And I finally just said, God, and, I, and here's, the, here's before this. I hadn't prayed this because what if it doesn't change anything? Will it shake my foundation? Like, will it, if, what if I pray this and nothing happens or it gets worse? Like, what, what does that mean for, uh, uh, you know, I'm like, uh, I don't know if my, my walk with God can handle that. But I've, I've, as I'm driving, I started crying and just out of the deepest part of me, I just said, Lord, I want you to heal my dad. I just, I want you to heal my dad and I don't understand why you haven't. And I just like, I just want you to heal him. And no kidding. It was like, the Lord was like, finally, whoa. Right. Thanks for I, just saying the yeah, true thing. I know that you've been feeling this way, Adam, because I, I can sense it in our relationship. Like I do, I, I know that this has been there. Finally, you're bringing it to me. Okay. Now we can go somewhere like, in, like between him and I, not with my dad even, just like, as far as like trusting, it was just this mo like, it was, it was seriously like a, a close friend. And there's this, this obvious thing that nobody wants to talk about. It's like, <laughs> and God's just like, okay, uh, anytime now, like any year now. And honestly, as a pastor, I see so many people who do go through something like that and they completely walk away from the church and the Lord and everything. 
because of those moments. And I think just being honest with ourselves, kids, uh, again, back to an analogy with my yahoos, they, they, kids have the gift of honesty where it's like, okay, dear God, I didn't know I was that bad of a parent. Like, okay, they, they just repeated something that I said behind closed doors in our home. Okay, I'm a horrible scumbag of a parent. <laughs> so, so, so they, 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 they will say they have the gift of honesty, but nothing hurts worse than if they're lying to me. Uh, or, or nothing hurts worse than if they're embarrassed and feel like they can't share something with me because they don't. They're embarrassed. You know, like if they at recess, a kid made fun of them or picked on them and they don't want to share it, but I can tell. So like I, as a, as a parent, there's nothing more. I want to hear that. Like I'm like, and so when they finally like, cause I, you know, you can tell when your kid has had a hard day at school. So it's like, Hey Hudson, what's going on? Hey, nothing. No, no. What's going on? Like nothing. What What's going on? This kid like made fun of me and said that I had a weird haircut. It's like, Whoa, like I, I want to be in that with you, man. Like, and it's to encourage you. Yeah. And so I think that same thing is is so true of us, of us with God. It's like, just be honest with what's on our heart in good ways and also in, in, in bad ways Mm -hmm. and hard ways, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. In ways of like, I'm just going to say it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to say it. I mean, I experienced that as well with in friendship where if I'm going through something and I don't feel like I can tell the person I'm with what I'm going through, it makes me feel separated from them. Yes. Right. And so that I'm realizing for the first time listening to you say that, that that same separation happens with the Lord if I'm not willing to tell him the absolute truth of what I feel, even though he knows. Yes. And it's, it's different in human relationships because our friends are not perfect in Jesus. But even like, uh, but it, we still have these feelings towards God again. When we, he, especially when things don't go how we want them to. But if a if a friend hurts us, um, and we don't acknowledge it, like it, like with a close friend, you know, like, hey, can I just be honest with you? Like, that that really hurt. A good friendship will actually go to another galaxy in those moments, where it's like, whoa, I didn't know that, like. Adam, like, thank you for telling me or vice versa. Like when someone has told me like, Hey, when you said that, especially close coworkers, Hey, when you said that, I kind of felt, I kind of felt stupid. Whoa. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Like I, that wasn't my intention at all. I think there's something where it's like, Whoa, I can trust you even more in those moments. And that's, I feel like in, in a completely different way again, cause God is perfect. We are not. There's something where it's like we go to another place of trusting him where it's just amazing. And it goes from just kind of surface level like, hey, God, uh, I feel like I should talk to you or something to like, God, I, I'm broken or man, I'm really lonely or I've brought this request to you for so long and nothing's happened. Right. So tell me your very favorite story of a time that you've prayed and something has changed. Whoa. My very favorite story. I <laughs> know. That's a that's a hard question, I know. I'm just I'm just a really hard hitting journalist, Adam. Yeah, no, this so is a good question. That's what's happening here. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of something specific. The the I, I I could honestly feel like I could share so many different things. This is this is a way that this I'm so skeptical as I'm as I'm saying this, 
I'm not like a hook, line, sinker, like believe everything that you're told. I'm skeptical about everything, which makes which makes like message prep every week grueling for me. I was about to say, but it actually is probably the exact reason you're the right guy to write a book about prayer. Oh, gosh. Because you're like, I'm not just feeding you something. Yeah. No. And on Sundays, I'm like, do you really believe that, Adam? As, (laughs) As with every word I'm saying, I'm like, the skeptic in me just needs to go away. But uh, so actually with my dad, this is something kind of a um, – so this is just recently. So he uh, has been searching like so pain-wise um, just like God healing his body. And again, the skeptic in me wants to just completely tear everything apart, I'm going to say. Well, he, he has literally searched the country far and wide for doctors or procedures, yada, yada, that could work or whatever. And nothing, 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 nothing. He's gone to everybody. And again, just everybody. I've never seen someone more faithfully prayed for over the years. I mean, just God, just take some of his pain away. And um, kind of randomly, sporadically, just a few hours away, there was a surgeon who began to try a different procedure, like surgery-wise, and um, re- ended up reaching out to my dad. And saying, "Hey, I think you'd be a perfect candidate to try, um, to try this," and and so he did. So it was a surgery. Again, you could say it was a surgery. It was no nothing else. But I'm like, no, actually, like I feel like there was a whole bunch of other things else. There were so many things that could have went wrong. And my, is my dad totally pain free? Far from it. But in the, I mean, light years as far as where he was because of this procedure, and we've been searching for seven years. Yeah, and just that and praying somewhat, consistently that whole time. Consistently praying yeah. God would take some of the pain away. And here's what, here's what, something else I learned about that moment. So my so uh, in this surgery there was the abil- there was potential that he would literally lose the ability to walk, and the ability to use the bathroom any longer, and this kind of thing. So some significant things. So he he came out of the surgery. And I've never more audibly heard someone thank God in my life. And my dad's a quiet man like audibly thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus and so he's like can i get up because he could move his feet so then he got up and he could walk and he's like i'm so thankful i can still walk and he's like can i use the bathroom he went out of the bathroom and came out like thank you jesus <laughs> like just like the simplest things but even uh we prayed i was like dad do you care if we pray just because I'm like, if I don't thank the Lord right now for something, holy crap, like I would be a fool. Um, but honestly, that sounds, again, you could pick it totally apart. But even just, I think on a more specific level, away from that, seeing someone work in someone's life, seeing God work in someone's life. I mean, even like marriages. Uh, there's one specific marriage I think of that when I met with him, I'm like, internally, like, this marriage is over. Like, yeah. There's You're no. Like, I'm gonna try, but yeah, I, I, can't make I, any promises I, here. God specializes in bringing dead things back to life, but I Man, think this. I'm like this might even be too far yeah. for, for Jesus, you know. But it's so cool. Uh, months months after, kind of the really a huge falling out. Like I seriously thought it was done. The husband came up to me and said, "I never knew our marriage could be like this." And you're like, "Whoa, that's amazing." Or just even like, again, I can pick this apart, but even even people, man, I want to have a kid. We can't have a kid. We can't have a kid. We can't have a kid. And whether it's um, a couple getting pregnant that was told there's never going to be a chance or a couple adopting a kid 
that what that was kind of crazy circumstances, you look and it's like you can so clearly see the hand of God. And you're like, no way. Like, this is the kid we've been praying for, you know? And he's, you just gave birth to him. This yeah. is the kid we've been praying for. This is the miracle kid, yeah. Yeah, and he's South Korean, you know? Like, right. Like, it's like, right. it's so cool just that. That's one thing that I've come to see time and time again with prayer. God may answer something completely different than how we hoped. And yet, thank God for that. Like, I'm like... I, I, someone asked me recently, what would you tell yourself 10 years ago when you started the church that you wish you would have known? And I, it well, didn't even take me a second. I said, what I wish I'd go back and tell myself 10 years ago is Adam, your plans for your life are so lame compared to the plans Compares, that God has. Right? Yeah. I'm like, your plans are so tiny and small and it revolves kind of around yourself, like compared to what the plan that I have for you. And it's not going to be an easy road. Like, actually, you might want to saddle up, partner, like put on and put on some big boy pants because this is not going to be an easy road, but it's just so much better. So I'm talking all over the place. Oh, I love it. Um, hey, will you do me a favor? We usually end one way, but I would like to end in a different way today. Would you just pray for us? Uh, pray yeah. for the listeners and pray for me. Pray that. Pray for our prayer lives. I mean, I want it, you know, Reading your book, Talking with God, I've already read it, and I loved it, you know that. And it really changed me, but I I just want you to pray that over us. Pray that for our prayer lives. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. I'll pray right now. Heavenly Father, God, we are, we are grateful for you. Um, as we're standing today, as we're listening to this today, we just give you thanks for another day. I, I pray we'd never take this, that even that simple, wonderful gift that you give us each day for granted. Lord, for our prayer life, for my prayer life, for Annie's prayer life, for all of our prayer lives, um, we make it way too complicated. We make it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, for someone who's just learning to pray, God, would the would we just begin to say what's inside of us? Would we just speak the feelings inside of us, whether it's feelings of joy and thanks, whether it's feelings of brokenness? Would, would you just help us to speak the words? There's just something... Um, so simple, but just saying the words for, for those of us who've been following you for some time, it's, it's easy to make our conversations with you into a ritual or into saying the same things each time. And it just becomes dead words, just like any relationship. Some, sometimes this, it loses its glitz and glamor. God, would you just remind us once again of who we're talking with yourself? Um, the God who created all things, um, the God who knows us better than we know ourselves. God, we're just so thankful for that. And so wherever we're at in the journey, Lord, I, I pray that we just begin to speak with you. We're not meant to go through a day apart from you. We're, we're meant to be connected to you at all times. And so instead of separating prayer here and there, God, would our lives just, will we just talk with you constantly right? in the midst of meetings and deadlines and schedules and craziness, would we just speak with you often? God, we just thank you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Adam. So here's the amazing thing about that conversation with Adam. None of those questions had he ever seen before. And that's kind of how I do, right? Because everyone you meet just about on this podcast are my like already real life friends. And so Adam and I are already friends. So it was, we just sat down and talked. So he hadn't like read any of that. That was all his answers from his heart, which I think is just beautiful. And it shows such a true love for God and for talking to God. And I'm really 
really thankful for Adam and what he invested in me today and in us as listeners. So definitely check out his book, Talking With God. And again, it's his name is Adam Weber. I think you will really, really enjoy the book. It's a great way to kind of deepen your relationship with the Lord that way through prayer. So I highly, highly recommend it. Speaking of that, in the background is our girl, Ellie Holcomb. Her new album, Red Sea Road, came out in January. And if you haven't gotten it yet, I don't know why. Why? Why wouldn't you already have it? It's just amazing. So grab it today. That is another thing I really recommend for this Lent season, but also just for your life and for what God's going to do in your life in 2017. So I think it's a beautiful companion to what the Lord is up to. If you enjoyed this conversation with Adam, I have a couple of others I think you may like, like our conversation with Pastor Scott Sauls from here in Nashville, or my very first two episodes with author Ted Decker. There's also a great leadership episode with Brad Lomanick that I think you might really like. So just pop back through the archives of the That Sounds Fun podcast, and you will see that those are a couple that if this one felt like a good fit for you, you may enjoy some of those as well. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I am working on a new book. I can't really tell you the title yet because maybe I don't totally know the title yet, but it is in process. And I said, if you have any questions, let me know and we'll answer them. And you guys sent a lot of questions. So I think we're going to do an entire episode on writing a book. So if you have more questions, just let me know. Just send them over. You can email them to Annie at AnnieFDowns.com or you can tweet at me right on Facebook wall. It's facebook.com backslash Annie F Downs. Really, however you want to get in touch with me, shoot me those questions before the end of March and we will get those answered for you that last Thursday in March will be when the episode comes out. So, um, which is next week. So you've only got like two or three days to shoot me questions. So do that so that we can answer them for you. Thanks again for listening today. I really enjoy getting to introduce you to my friend Adam to get to let you hear from him. And I just love it. I love introducing my friends to my friends. So I hope you have enjoyed this conversation today. And if you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs across the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website, email, all of it. Annie F. as in fancy, Annie F. Downs. And if you get a chance and can give a rating to this podcast on on iTunes, subscribe and rate it and just kind of leave a review that kind of helps people know that this is the place they want to be. And if this podcast stood out to you and you thought, man, I know some of my friends want to talk more about prayer and I think would really enjoy listening to this episode with Adam talking about prayer. So why don't you share it with them, send it on over. Maybe a group of you can listen to it and read Adam's book together and talk about it and pray together and just kind of keep growing that spiritual discipline in your life. So um, feel free to share this with any of your pals. So I hope you have a great day. Go out and do something fun today. I know I'm going to grab lunch at my favorite Baja burrito with my friend Lindsay, and I am looking forward to that. So that's what sounds fun to me today. I hope you find something fun to do as well, and I will see you next time.